Good to see you this morning. Children are going to Children's Church. Thank you very much. Glad to have you folks hang in here with me. Uh, we're going to go to the book of 2 Timothy. It's interesting what God put on my heart to share today and what's seemingly happening in our midst today. Uh, and uh, perhaps it'll all merge together. We'll see. This message is entitled, A Family Affair. You all know about families, and you all know we do things together. And we have reasons for why we do things together, and hopefully they're good reasons. And hopefully we will see uh, in these first 14 verses of chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, you'll see the family relationship that we're going to find between the Apostle Paul and this young man called Timothy. Uh, Timothy is new to the faith. Uh, Paul has, 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 has ex, ex, his own experiences, but we see some wonderful things. So let me read to you from uh, the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. And God help me with my new glasses so I can see clearly. Amen. Here we go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son. Let me stop right there. Timothy is not his son naturally. He's talking about his spiritual son. This is a young man that has come up under his ministry. So, Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. Important verse, very, very important verse. We'll get back to that. For I am my... Oh, did I? Okay. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh... And this is important. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of timidity, King James, King James says the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffered these things, but I am not ashamed. The next few words, I want you to notice some things in the next few words. If they sound familiar to you somewhere, just think about that. We'll get to that at the end. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am convinced or persuaded 
that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Does that sound familiar to anybody? You'd have to be really old than that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Does that, those words sound familiar to anybody? I mean, really, seriously. No, just us old people. All right, okay. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Okay. A family affair. Paul tells us in this portion of Scripture, uh, and we, we see his credentials. He's an apostle, he's a teacher and a preacher. Verse 1, verse 11, he shares that with us. And in verse 1, he talks about the fact he's been picked for this job by the will of God. I have a question. Uh, you know how I am with questions, don't you? In, in this church, we ask questions. We take pictures, m- mental pictures. We read between the lines because something's going on. We, we, we do what? What else do we do? We what? Dig deeper with that little trowel than your flower pot. You know how you do that? Because the deeper you dig, the more you're going to find out. So he is saying, I have been picked by the will of God. I have a question. Do we want the will of God? Are you sure? Someone once said, be careful what you ask for. Now, I don't know what goes on in your life, and you don't know what goes on in mine normally. That's privacy, okay? But we all are trying to walk with God for whatever reason. And some of us are on this stage, and some of us are in this stage. And that's fine. But we have something in common. We're all saying, God... If we love you and you love me, I would like your will in my life. And sometimes the will of God that comes into our lives is not what we want. Nobody said amen, huh? Be careful what you ask for. Can I share something with you? God will never give you something you can't handle. He knows your capabilities. God will never give you something that's going to hurt you on purpose. Because that's that's not the way God works. Do I understand everything? No, I do not. So don't you go out of here thinking that little old Italian knows everything. No, 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 I don't. But I've learned some things over the years. When I get up in the morning and I pray, God, the only thing I want is your will. I mean that from the depths of my heart. Because I know that the will of God is perfect. It doesn't mean I enjoy everything that comes along in this stage of my traveling. But if I allow God to be in control of my life, I will make it through. Somebody say amen. Amen. He talks in verse 1 about the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Paul knows he's going to die. He's in the ministry. He's He's got problems. People don't like him. He talks about Jesus Christ about Paul, uh, Christ who gives life, and that God through Christ gives us the life. But Paul, through all that he's gone through, has a desire for Tim, his spiritual son. Verse 2 that I read to you before. Verse 2 talks about his relationship with his son. Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what he wants for his son. What do you want for your kids? You're getting quiet. 
What do you want your children to see when they look at you? Do, do you want them to see your love for them? Your prayer for them? Your desire for God's best in their lives? I want Timothy, Paul is saying, to experience God's grace, God's mercy, and God's peace from God the Father. If I have that, if you have God's grace and mercy and peace, you will get through what you have to get through, even though it's not always pleasant. Someone say amen. amen. We go through things. Life is life. Amen. When my mother gave birth to me, she didn't give me a little packet to put by my crib that said, Honey, you'll never have a problem in your life. Anybody get that packet? Gary, I know you didn't get it. <laughs> I always pick on Gary. He knows I love him. None of us got that packet. Because that's not the way it works. Paul knows that. I want God to give you grace, mercy, and peace. I want God to give that. That was Paul's desire for his son. Well, in addition to that, verse 3, he says, I pray for my son day and night. Now, you know better than that. I know better than that. Paul is not saying, I pray for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know that. What he's saying is, you are, I love you so much that you are on my mind all the time. Yes, I have to go to work from 8 to 5, and yes, I've got to go grocery shopping, and I've got to put gas in the car, and I've got to get the car fixed. But, but on my mind, it's you. You're my son, he's saying. And I know what you're going through, and I know what you're going to go through, because I've gone through some of these things, and I'm praying for you day and night. I have another question. Some of you who don't know me will find out that I have a lot of questions. Are we praying for each other day and night? And I'm not talking just about moms and dads for their kids. I'm talking about brothers and sisters in the Lord. Are we so concerned with God's will for the, fam the church family? Not just my son who plays the piano and does the worship and the other two sons that I have. Three sons, they all married beautiful ladies because I told them they better else or no, you know. And they listened. Are we praying for one another? Are we concerned enough? I can tell you right now, as a mother and a father, we prayed for our boys and we prayed that God would bring the, wife, the right wife into their lives. And we were successful in our prayers. Hello? And no, we're not perfect. I know that you know me by, by my reputation of being a short, dark, ruggedly handsome Italian. I know you know that. But, but hey, we're not perfect. And you know that. But we have a God who is. And when you want something imparted into your family's life, you need to step up to the plate and say, God, this is what I want. And God gave us three beautiful daughters-in-law all of whom love the Lord. Two of my sons, this one included, are ministers. The other one is a businessman who loves the Lord. He prayed day and night for his boy that really wasn't his boy. Okay. Are you praying for each other? I, I don't know what you need. You know, but even though I don't know what you personally need, as your fill-in pastor... Can I pray for you? Can I say, God, I'm praying for so-and-so because I know what's going on in her life. I know what's going on in his life. I'm praying because of, yeah, I want to do that. 
Because that's part of the structure of ministry, is to love someone enough. You'll take a little time out, not 24 hours a day, but you'll take a little time out and say, God, help my brother Regan. Help Jason. Help so-and-so. Because that's what Paul is saying in this scripture. Timothy means so much to him, he will stop what he's doing and not worry about what's going on, and I will pray for my son day and night, Timothy, that he will do what God wants him to do. Pray for your family. I have a question. (laughs) While you're praying for your family, whoever it is, by any chance have you remembered the mistakes you made in life? I had to bring that up, didn't I? See, Paul made a lot of mistakes. I told you, this this passage of Scripture is filled. Paul did not like Jesus Christ. Paul was an enemy of Jesus Christ. And you go back to Acts chapter 9, and you will find that Paul is on his way to Damascus. He's with a bunch of his buddies, all of whom do not like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has come. He's been crucified. He's been come out of the grave. He's resurrected. And Paul the apostle does not believe in him. And Paul is saying, no, that's not right, because Paul's the Jew. He knows Jewish custom. He's against Christ. And on the road to Damascus, Jesus meets him, blinds him. Kips kicks him in the... Do, do you ever pray for your son or your daughter or your friend? God, uh, if they need a hug, give them a hug. But if they need a kick in the butt, you never pray that way, would you? No. no of course not. You wouldn't think... You, you wouldn't do that, brother. No, no. I would. Because Paul needed a kick in the butt. Acts chapter 9. And Jesus showed up, blinded him, literally blinded him. The people who were around him couldn't see what was going on because the, the, the light was so bright. But they heard the voice of Jesus Christ talking to Paul, saying, Who do you think you are, idiot? Read, read chapter 9. Greco translation. Read it. So when Paul is praying for Timothy, Paul is remembering the mistakes he made. He doesn't want Timothy to make the same mistakes in life. Somebody needs to say Amen. You don't want your children to make the same mistakes you made. I don't care how little they were or how big they were. We know they're all covered by the blood. We know that God loves us. We're forgiven. I know that and I believe that and I live that. But I don't want my family going through what I went through. So I pray that they don't make those mistakes. That's what he's doing. That's his ministry. That's how much he loves this guy who isn't really his natural son. That's why he takes joy in praying. Verse 4. That's why he takes joy in praying. Longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. I pray for my family so that I have joy. Oh, I want them to be blessed. Obviously. Come on. Can I say something here? It has nothing to do with the message. How do I say this? Don't become so spiritual that your brain doesn't work. Did I actually say that? That recorded? Don't think just because you come to the house of the Lord, which we're glad you're here, that, oh, wow, everything is just... Folk, come on. We go through things in life. Paul knew that. He didn't want... 
Tim to go through the stuff and the junk that he went through. He wanted to be able to see him down the road. And as he sees him, he says, that's going to be filling me with joy. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe that God was going to deal with you. I'm going to make sure that the enemy stays away from you. I'm going to pray and I'm going to rebuke the devil for what he wants to do in your life. And I'm going to ask God to fill you with what he wants in your life. Well, that's bringing him joy. Tim, he's saying, Tim, don't make the same mistakes I did. I think that's a decent prayer. There's nobody perfect in this room. I'm taking a second look just in case I made a mistake, and I did not make a mistake. There's nobody perfect in this room. Except the presence of the Lord. And you know that. And you know how much God loves you. I don't know where you are in your walk with God or if you walk with God. But I'm telling you this, from this book to your heart, God loves you just like you are. All right, let me move on. Verse 5. Now, I don't know that you knew this, but only an Italian could show this to you. Verse 5 is the beginning of what we call DNA. You didn't know that, did you? We get it right out of the Bible. For I'm mindful of the service faith, of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. That is DNA. Now, had Trina not been sick, and she'd been here this morning, and Crystal not in the other room taking care of I was going to tease them. And I was going to say, which first dwelt in your grandmother Trina and your mother Crystal, but they're not here, so I can't tease them. What he's saying is, I know who your mother is, I know who your grandmother is. I know their background. I know their love for God. I know what they've come through and what they have put into you. What about your DNA? Your spiritual DNA, where is it? By prayer, you input that into your family. It's not some great scientific discovery. Paul's got it right here. He said, I know what your mother was like, I know what your grandmother was like, and I see all of that in you. Don't let go of what you've come from. All the prayers that are made back here for you, don't let go of that because that's your DNA. And that's going to keep you going no matter what comes into your life. The prayers of my mother. My dad never gave his heart to the Lord until he was an old man and not doing well. And I had a chance to lead him to the Lord in the kitchen of a home, of our home. My mother gave her life to Christ when I was three years old. And let's see, I'm 33, so that's 30 years ago. Don't you laugh. This corner over here. Yes. I was three. And from three years of age, she brought me into the church. And I did not understand everything, but I grew and grew and grew and grew and grew until today I stand in the presence of the Lord because a mother 
prayed for me. Am I perfect? No. Was my mother perfect? No. No. Anybody in my family perfect? No, of course not. That's not the issue. The issue is spiritual DNA is a wonderful thing. And he says to Tim, your, that DNA in you that comes from your family. Well, why are we going through all of this spiritual background? Because verse 6 is giving us what's really going on in this passage of Scripture. And let me read it to you. Verse 6. For this reason, all these good things that I've said to you about your mom and all this other jazz and what I want you to do. Verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Somewhere in the process, Paul and Timothy had gotten together. That's how he began to love this young man. Okay? And Paul brought him into the ministry with him. Okay? And in a process of doing so, in Timothy's life, one day, the Apostle Paul laid his hand on Timothy, and he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. Now, there's a whole lot of questions about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which this is not the message for it at the moment. But I want you to understand it's real. I don't deny it at all. I believe it. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues. So there, if you don't like me. He laid hands on this man, this young man. And when he did, the presence of the Holy Spirit came into him, Timothy. And Timothy began to speak in unknown tongues. And here's what he's saying. Let me remind you. I know your DNA. I know where you've come from. I know your, your heritage. I know your mother, your grandmother. And I know all I've put into you. So let me remind you that in that process of life where I was with you, I laid my hands on you because God wanted me to. I prayed over you because God wanted me to. And you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you began to speak in tongues like they did on the day of Pentecost. Don't forget it. Because you're going to need it. He did not say, and hear me carefully, you're going to need it because you're going to have to pray in tongues every day. He did not say that. Let's not go there. That's not the issue, and that's not this morning's message. We'll talk a little bit about that. So, the baptism, he said, he said, kindle, remind you, refresh, don't let it die. I have a thought. And uh, I don't hand out instructions about speaking in tongues. I don't do that. And I don't speak in tongues to the drop of a hat. But there are times when I sense the presence of the Lord. Okay? Seriously. And in those, I could be driving my car, going to the store, and I'm just talking to the Lord for a moment, thanking Him, and all of a sudden I can feel the presence, and then from my mouth just flows these words that I've never learned. Nobody's hearing me. It's not for show. The baptism of the Holy Spirit wasn't for show. It was for endowment with power, which we're going to get into in a minute. Where are you today as Christians? What are you doing with the DNA that's in you, okay? Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. And let me just share uh, what the Scripture says about what Jesus is talking about, okay? In, in, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is talking, gathering them together. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. He's talking to the disciples. 
but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you've heard from me. So God has been making a promise through Jesus, gathering them together. Okay, you heard from me. For John baptized with water. Everybody knew that. John was the baptizer of the Jordan River. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, when they had come together, they're listening to him, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? That's all they had in mind. Let's get the kingdom back up. Let's get the government back up. Let's take over. He said, no, no, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you, hear it, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall go around speaking in tongues like an idiot. It's the glasses, I'm sorry, the new glasses. Forgive me, forgive me. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Listen to him, listen to him. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. What was the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? To give you power to go out and share Jesus Christ with somebody else. Now, what happened on the day of Pentecost happened. It's very real. I'm not negating that at all. I'll talk just for a moment on it. But you received the baptism because I'm going to empower you to do something. We forget that. May I suggest to all of us respectfully, respectfully, I don't know where you are in your walk with God. I don't know if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you believe in that. This is an assembly of God church. It certainly is our, uh, our premise. It is, it's part of, of what we believe, obviously. And, but we don't force it on anybody. I, I don't know. But may I suggest to you that Jesus looked his disciples in the eye and said, this is going to happen, and here's why. It's going to give you power. You're going to be able to sit down with your neighbor who doesn't look so good. And you say, neighbor, what's going on? Well, Rudy, you know, I don't. And all of a sudden, the presence of God comes over you, and you begin to share and minister to someone that you hardly know. And they kind of look at you. How does he know that? I didn't know it. I've done that. I'm not some magician. I don't have some super-duper spiritual power. No, no. But I have the Holy Spirit. He baptized me. Yes, I did speak in tongues, and yes, I do speak in tongues. But that's not the purpose of it. The purpose was so I could come and touch you and say, here's what God wants you to know about your life. And if you follow this pattern, God will do this, 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 and this. That was the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Somebody better say amen. Do I believe in the gifts of the Spirit? Absolutely. Do I believe in messages in tongues with interpretation? Absolutely. Is there a right time and a place for it? Absolutely. Is there a wrong time and a place for it? Absolutely. Everything, Paul said, everything must be done with decency and in order. So why is the baptism of the Holy Spirit so important for Paul to remind Timothy that he needs to whip this thing back into shape? Well, verse 7, back to our major Uh, Our major scripture, verse 7 says, We have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of timidity. 
but of power and love and discipline. God has not put fear in you. God doesn't want you to go around shaking, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do next. That's not God. Yeah, things happen in life. Oh, you better believe things happen in life. And you say, why? How did this happen, God? Those of you who know me know that I lost my wife in October. Do you want to know what? I said, why? Anybody here think I didn't say why? Thank God for my sons and my family was around me. Thank God that God didn't allow her to suffer. But after 68 years of marriage, you don't think I said why to God once or twice? But I'm here. His hand is still on me. Because the Holy Spirit rests in me. You're going to go through things in life that you don't like. Trust me. And you better be hanging on to somebody or something that carries you through and gives you the strength to live day by day and give Him honor and give Him glory. He said, stir up that gift. God hasn't given us this spirit of fear. And that's what goes on in our life. The devil wants to throw fear at you, which destroys you totally. And Paul says to Timothy, don't do it. You weren't given this gift to be afraid of anybody. You're not spirit of fear, but you've given this gift because there's power in it, there's love in it, there's discipline, there's a sound mind and if you use it properly God will take you through that situation that you didn't believe you'd ever have to go through and some of you have gone through these situations in life I don't have to explain that to you it's the presence of the Holy Spirit that takes you through He gives us love, power sound mind there's no fear And I say this, and I have to be careful now. There's no fear with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't throw fear at you. I didn't say that you might not become afraid of some things. I didn't say that. But if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to evaluate with you what's going on, you'll suddenly say, oh, okay, I don't like this, but I don't need to be afraid of this, because God walks with me. God, dear Lord, folk... If you don't hear anything else, please, please, hear. God walks with us. I didn't put that together. He did. It wasn't my architectural design. It was His. No fear with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and I'll tell you why. The Holy Spirit living within us is the greatest weapon we have against the devil. The devil wants to kill you, he wants to kill me. The devil wanted to destroy me when God took my wife. She loves where she is. She does. She, <laughs> she's listening. I know you're listening. She found a better looking bridegroom than me. Can you believe that? <laughs> I have to keep living. She's alive forevermore. She's happy. She's thrilled. Do you think I can draw her back? No. You know that. So what happens then? I need to let the Holy Spirit be my strength. I need to let the Holy Spirit be my weapon against the enemy who is trying to destroy me every single day. I have power. I have love. I have a sound mind because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what you need. Well, I do. And I say that respectfully. Because we all need the presence of God in our lives. And the presence of God is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Someone say amen. 
Well, okay. The church, you and I, <clears throat> we need to use this great weapon that God has given us against the enemy because he throws all kinds of junk at us. Okay. This is something that you won't hear many preachers say, but I'm going to say it. Signs of the Holy Spirit. Signs follow believers, not preachers. Can I say that again? Signs and wonders follow believers, not preachers. And there are preachers who want you to believe signs only follow them. So the signs are following me, boy, you better follow me. No, no, no. Signs and wonders follow believers. You can lay hands on someone anointed by God to do so, and they will be healed. You could sit down and talk with someone, and their life will be changed in an instant, just because you have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to stand behind a pulpit and say, now listen to this great preacher, because if you don't listen to me, you're in trouble. No, 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 no. Signs follow believers. What do you believe? And why do you believe it? Paul says it, verse 7, verse 8, verse 9. God's not given us the spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Verse 8. Therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Don't look at me as a prisoner and say, well, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to get messed up with that. But join with me in suffering for the gospel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you will suffer. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you will have people look down your nose, their nose at you and say, I don't want anything to do with you. No, no, no. You believe in Jesus? No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Join we in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Go ahead. Who has saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. I have God dealing with me so that God can help me deal with you. I'm nobody special. I don't know of any preacher that's special. Yes, there's some great preachers have wonderful ministry. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. You understand what I'm saying? But the same Holy Spirit that lives in them lives in me. And if God tells me I need to come to my brother and lay hands on him, then I do that. I don't need some specialist. God wants to touch our lives with his holy presence, with his Holy Spirit. Signs follow believers, not preachers. How would God feel to see his church on fire for souls? You remember what happened in Acts 2 4? They've been in that upper room for 10 days, 120 people. Verses 1 and 2 talk about the noise. They heard a noise. And the noise was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. I didn't put that up. Just leave it. That's fine. But they heard a noise. 120 people in a room. They'd been there 10 days, sorting out all their problems, getting everything squared away. Yeah, I love you, Regan. Well, I didn't love you, but I love you now because i got to square away. So we got all our goodies taken care of. 120 people who started loving each other like they were supposed to. Which was very difficult for me. Because Regan is just, you know. 
They got rid of that junk. There was a noise that flooded that room, and that noise was like the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It wasn't a wind, it was a noise. God can be noisy when He wants to be. And tongues of fire began to touch each person on their head. Little flames of fire. I was preaching in the church I pastored in Tracy, California. Two ladies walked into the church. I'll never forget it. I've never seen them before in my life nor after. After the service, I've always greeted people. And these two ladies came up to me, introduced themselves. I don't remember their names. And one lady looked at me and said, Pastor? I said, yes. While you were preaching, she said to me, Gary, I swear it, I saw tongues of fire on your head. Now I said to myself, okay, Rudy, she's either a weirdo or she saw something. I don't know what. So just keep your mouth shut and say thank you. I don't know who she was. I never saw her again in my life. But that noise came through that building of 120 people. Tongues of fire began to sit on the heads of 120 people. And suddenly they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How would you like to have been there that day? The Bible says that they made such a commotion that all the people that were going by, because it was holiday season, and they go, oh, what was that? Well, I heard somebody speak in Greek. I'm Greek. What do they say? Well, they're talking about God. Oh, I heard someone speak in French. Yeah, I come from France. Everybody that was driving by in their little motor scooters on the day of Pentecost, everybody that was in that area going by, they began to hear 120 people speak in languages that they understood because they were from all parts of the world. How would you like to have been there? How would you like it if God dropped a bomb on New Hope Church and everybody began to speak, not because they're crazy, but because the power of God flooded their lives and people began to realize in this community there is a Christ who loves them. That's how you could just speak in tongues. But so that people can be touched. Because everybody that walked by that place was touched by God. Because Peter came out of that meeting They had a church service outside in the parking lot because they couldn't put everybody inside. Peter got up and began to preach. And the gospel says 3,000 people got saved in one meeting. You want to talk about God? You want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit? It wasn't Peter. It wasn't because Peter's such a great orator. It was because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit and the word just became coming out of his mouth. He was saying the right words for the right purpose, for the right season. And she heard it, he heard it, they heard it, and 3,000 people said, I need this. That's what God wants right here. Right here. Don't you ever look at a small congregation and say, well, we're just a small congregation. No, we will not be a small congregation. We'll be a congregation filled with the Holy Spirit so that people can see Jesus Christ in our lives. Well, I've got to move on. In John 14, I want to read these verses with you, and then I'm almost through. Jesus is speaking the words, and John has now recorded them. John 
chapter 14, okay? It says this, I will ask the Father, Jesus is speaking, and He, the Father, will give you another helper. Oh, see, we forgot something. Jesus died on the cross, did He not? That's part of our belief. He was buried for three days. He came out of the grave, and He left, and they saw Him leaving. Is that correct? Okay. He's gone. Now what do we do? And Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father, because I'm leaving. And I left. And he will give you another helper, that would be the Holy Spirit, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Oh, I like that. Do you know that for three and a half years those disciples walked with Jesus? They felt like they belonged together. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you live also. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. That day referring to Pentecost. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. Jesus said to the disciples before he left, i got to leave. I want you to know it. I'm not going to leave you like orphans. But when I leave here, the third person of the Trinity called the Holy Spirit is coming down. Acts 2.4. He's going to fill you with my presence and the presence of the Godhead. We sometimes forget, we say things in the Christian realm. <clears throat> we, have you ever heard the statement, Jesus lives in my heart? Do you know that's impossible? Preacher, you're crazy. Yeah, I know that. But no, it's impossible. Do you know why it's impossible? Come on, you theologians. Why is it impossible for Jesus to live in my heart? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus resurrected in his body. And Jesus, in his bodily form, sits at the right hand of the Father. And we can't have Jesus' body in mine. So Jesus lives in me, and so does God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. I won't leave you as an orphan. I'm going to give you that third person of the Trinity to live in you, to reside in you. And we will live in you. And we will make you who you need to be. You can't gin this up by yourself. You can't make yourself a great witness. You can't make yourself a great preacher. I don't care what it is you want. You can't do it by yourself. But God will allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and into, your, into that phase of season that you're in and deal with you just like you. I don't know what you need. I don't have a script. But He does. And He looks at you with love. Because, guess what? <clears throat> the Holy Spirit has to love you. I don't have to love you. Well, maybe I do. Or I'd be in trouble. But the Holy Spirit has to love you because God loved you. And the Holy Spirit represents God. And Jesus loved you. The Holy Spirit represents Jesus. Jesus died for you because he loved you. Well, I guess then i got to love you too. The Holy Spirit... Holy Spirit. 
spirit of truth, no lies. He said, don't be ashamed of what I'm going through, verse 8, which we talked about before. He said, join with me. It's not our works. It's the works of God. It's not our strength, verse 9, but the strength of God. God abolished death in verse 10. And in verse 12, he says, I can start singing. I'm going to read something to you in just a moment as I close, but not just quite yet. Jesus abolished death through his life. He gave his life so that he could abolish that sinful death nature. I can't wash away your sins. I can't do that. I have not been given that authority, nor have you been given that authority. But if I follow Jesus, I find out that he washes away my sin. Am I worthy of that? Uh Uh-uh. Are you worthy of that? No, I'm sorry. But he loves us so much, so much, that he looks at us and says, I love you. And all he asks is that we love him in return. Does that mean I understand everything? No. Will you understand everything? No. But the one thing I need to understand is I am loved by Almighty God. Loved enough by God. For God so loved the world, that's you, that's me, that he gave Jesus his only son, that if we believe on him, if we accept him, if we say, okay, I I know you're Christ, I know you died for me, I know your blood washes, I accept that. Whoever believes in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Has nothing to do with you, has everything to do with him. So Paul says, Son, Timothy, watch out for your ministry. Be on guard. God gave us some things that we read in verse 7. We're going to go for God's will, not our will. We're going to guard the treasure that God gave us, our family. What you are, what I, what we pass on to our families, this DNA is unbelievably powerful. I want to read something to you as I close. It's a song. You have to be a certain age, not only physically, but spiritually, or you probably have never heard this song. But Paul said it in verse 14. Verse 12, I'm sorry, if you can go back to verse 12. Paul said it in verse 12 where he's talking to Timothy. And this song, the lyrics come from a gentleman by the name of Daniel Webster Whittle. The music comes from James McGranahan. I'm going to read, there's five verses. I'm going to read the verses and then the chorus. Okay, listen to the words, please of the verses and see if they sound familiar to what we've been sharing. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me He hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for His own. Verse 1. Verse 2. I know not how this saving faith to me He did impart, nor how believing in His word wrought peace within my heart I know not how the spirit moves convincing men of sin 
revealing Jesus through the Word, creating faith in Him. Verse 4, I know not what of good or ill may be reserved for me. Anybody say amen to that? Let me repeat that. I know not what of good or ill may be reserved for me of weary ways or golden days before His face I see. Last verse. I know not when my Lord may come at night or noonday fair, nor if I'll walk the veil with Him or meet Him in the air. But Paul wrote, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believe. I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted. Listen to the verse. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. When they wrote this song, they wrote from that chapter. And what those men were saying that wrote the words and the music, I know that everything I've done, I've laid it at his feet. He's taking care of it. I'm not ashamed. I don't have to be ashamed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I can trust him with everything I've done because I will see him face to face. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what you've gone through. I know that he's got it all taken care of if I give myself to him. And I don't know whether I'll go the way my wife went or whether I'll be here when the rapture takes place. Either way, he's taking care of that whole thing. I have to trust him for that. Paul said to Timothy, Don't be afraid of the gift. Don't be afraid of what's going on in life. Don't be afraid of the the bad things that will come. He says, I'm suffering. You will too. But don't be afraid. Because I will walk with you hand in hand in hand. Does God love you? Hello? Does God love you? Does God care about you? Does God care about what you're going through? Does God care about what I'm going through? Yes, He does. And am I going to sit back and let the devil say, you can't preach anymore, brother? You just you lost your way. I'm sorry. You just shut your mouth. No, I'm not going to let him do that. No. Because I know what I believed. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Whatever you've committed, he can handle it. I might not be able to, but he can. Your neighbor might not be able to, your parents, your fa- forget that. I know whom I believed. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed, all that junk. He'll take care of that until I see him in that day. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. <clears throat> thank you, Lord, for who you are. You've always been the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and will never, you will never stop being that. You've always been the Savior from the beginning of the earth. You were the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the earth, which means this was your job all the time to be a sacrifice for us, to shed your blood for us. This is what you joined up for, Father. And I know you love us. And hear me good this morning, sir, ma'am, young man, young lady, listen to me. If you need Jesus Christ 
as your Savior. Let me tell you something. He loves you so much. I don't care what you've gone through. All you have to say is, God, forgive me. He'll do that. He'll take everything that happened in the past, and He'll cover it with His blood, wipe it away, and give you an absolute fresh start. I know He loves you. I've been in the same boat that you may be in right now, as have others in this room. And God has never, ever failed us. Think carefully. Think carefully, please. If you trust what I said, you trust the Word of God, if you trust this old man and his beliefs in God, and you need Jesus Christ, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to drag you up here. I just want to pray. Everybody's got their heads down. Everybody's got their eyes closed. This is a private moment. But you need Jesus and you know it. You're going through something. You know it. And you're suddenly aware, thankfully, maybe through the Word, that God is here to help you. And you want to give your life to Christ and start brand new. Eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. Just raise your hand and I'll pray with you. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Thank you. Take it down. Yes, sir, I see that hand. Someone else. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Take it down. God bless you. You need Jesus Christ as your Savior. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Take it down. God bless you. That's three of you. You're being honest with God. There's no, I'm no miracle worker. This is not that process. You're saying, I want to get right with God. That's between you and God, and we'll pray together. Anyone else besides these three people? Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. God bless you. Take it down. That's four. God's doing a change in your life. That's what you need. You don't need me to hold your hand. I, I can do that. But that's not going to help you with tomorrow's problem and the problems next day. But Jesus holding your hand will help you day by day by day. Pastor, would you pray with me? I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. I will not embarrass you. I don't do things like that. But I want to pray with you. Anyone else besides these four? Yes, I see your hand. God bless you. Take it down. That's five. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Just raise your hand quickly. I'll see it. I just want to pray with you. Okay, I'm going to pray. Yes, I see your hand. God bless you. Thank you. Take it down, brother. Thank you. Six. This is a turnover in our life. And we all need this. That doesn't mean you're a bad person because you raised your hand. It means you're a smart person because you know God can help you. And that's what we want. Anyone else before I pray? We're going to keep our heads down. We're going to keep our eyes closed. Anyone else before I pray? All right. I want you to look at me, all of you. I want, I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want everybody in the room, not the six people that raised their hand, I want everybody in the room to pray with me. That way we don't know who did what. We're not trying to embarrass anybody. I don't do that stuff. But let me lead you in this prayer. Would you, would you follow audibly with me in this prayer? Would you do that for me? please? Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need God. I know I've done things wrong. But I now know you love me anyway. And today, I choose to give my life to you. Please forgive me of all the sins I've committed, the sin I was born with, and from this day forward, with your help, help me to walk with you. Let me feel your love. Let me feel your presence. Let me feel your strength. And I promise, Lord, 
to the best of my ability, I will serve you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask a question. A serious question. Did you mean that prayer? Oh, that's a question. Because let me give you a statement. Because if you didn't mean that prayer, it was worthless. Unless you get serious with God. You follow what I'm saying? But when you said that and you meant that, when you said, i got to change, that's what God is looking for. And he knows whether you meant it or not. I sat in a hospital room with a man dying of cancer in Florida. Wife was sitting on one bed. He was in the bed on the other room. She watched. And I prayed that prayer with him. And I looked him in the eye and I said, Brother, did you mean that prayer? Because if you didn't, it was worthless. He said, Oh, no. I meant it. I meant it. She was watching as I talked to her husband. And later, she told me after he died, she said these words to me and to my wife. She said, I saw you send my husband to heaven. I don't do that. What she was saying was, I saw the change while you were talking to my husband. I saw the change in him that brought him to the realization he needed Jesus Christ. That's what she was saying. That's all it's about. Not about me. It's about you and your desire to walk with God. Amen? For those of you who raised their hand or want prayer, I'm going to stay here. There's some food and goodies out there. We're going to close in prayer in just a minute. But if you need prayer for something, please don't go. Uh, I'm not your therapist. That's not what I'm here for. But I'm here to pray with you. To touch you if I need to. To bless you if I need to. I'm here to do that free of charge. Simply because I love God. He loves you. Therefore, I love you. So let's pray together before we leave for coffee and goodies. And I'm going to stay right here. Those of you who raised their hand want me to pray with you, come up here and let me pray with you. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in this room. I thank you that six people in this room decided they needed to change their way of life, and maybe there were others who prayed the prayer with me. We don't know, but that's between them and you, Lord. You saw everything, you heard everything. And so I pray this morning that the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit will continue to walk with each of us in this room, that we will not leave this building the same way we walked in, but the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit will walk with us from this moment on, day by day by day. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your word, because your word is life. Bless these people. Keep your hand upon all of us, I pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You're free to go. I'm going to stand here. And if I can pray with you, please come up here. Let me pray with you. Tell me who you are. And uh, God will bless us. Bless you.